A mother sent her uh, fifth grade son up to his bedroom to get ready for bed. And like all good mothers, he kind of checked on him as he was getting ready for bed. He, she peeked in the door of his bedroom. And sure enough, he was already in his pajamas, and he was already at the side of his bed, kneeling, praying. And she's paused just for a moment to listen. And he kept saying, let it be Tokyo. Dear God, please, let it be Tokyo. His mother waited until his prayer was over. And then she walked in and she said, son, what was that prayer about? You kept saying, let it be Tokyo. And her son, slightly embarrassed, looked up to his mother and said, mom, we had a geography test in class today, and I was just praying to God that he would make Tokyo the capital of France. (laughs) We all need to pray. Maybe not that Tokyo is the capital of France. But we pray when we need something, when we're confused about something, when we need guidance or direction in our lives, we're taught to pray. In fact, we have friends, perhaps members right here in this church, who when we have a decision to make might ask us, have you prayed about it? As willing followers of Jesus Christ, my question to you today, are you willing to earnestly and consistently go through that door of prayer, make it a part of your daily lives, and make it a part of your spiritual journeys? I think a lot of us struggle with prayer. I think even your pastor struggles with prayer sometimes because we never seem to get the results that we're looking for. You know, we need to take time to talk with God, but sometimes we just don't get to get the right answers. We don't get the answers we expect. Maybe you're frustrated because people talk about the power of prayer as though God is eating cornflakes with them at the breakfast table, and you seem to be ringing the doorbell of an empty house. Maybe that's why you're frustrated. Maybe you're someone with a heavy burden, someone with a serious issue in your life, and you have prayed repeatedly, repeatedly, but your prayers seem to fall on deaf ears. Maybe you have a troubled child, or a sick relative, or you're seeking a better job, or a more wholesome marriage, and you keep praying, you want an answer, and you wonder, is God listening? Maybe you feel you're not doing it right. Maybe you feel you need to go out and buy the latest book on prayer, or maybe you need to go to a lecture and find out how to pray as though there's something mystical, magical where you get open sesame when your prayer gets answered. Perhaps you simply find the act of praying difficult because you all have busy lives. There are lots of things to do between work and school and play. Perhaps you just simply don't have time for God. Or perhaps you think God is omniscient anyway. He already knows exactly what I need. What do I have to tell him what I need? He should know that already. Some of you may simply be skeptical about prayer. Maybe you think it's wishful thinking or whistling in the dark. You think this whole idea of the creator of the world listening to billions upon billions upon billions of prayers is ludicrous. Really? Perhaps you're just frustrated. Perhaps you think that prayer is some type of religious magic, or perhaps it's crossing your fingers Christian style. Well, my brothers and my sisters, I want you to hear me because first and foremost, I want you to understand that prayer is the single most important act that anyone seeks 
in following God. It is the single most important act. We cannot know the will of God unless we pray. We can't be strong in the face of temptation or evil unless we pray. We can't be healthy spiritually unless we pray. We can't make lasting changes in our lives unless we pray. And we can never get our faith right unless we pray. Surveys say that about 71% of Americans believe that God answers prayers. Another 15% say that he probably answers prayers. So my calculations, there are about 86% of Americans who believe that God listens to or answers in some way, shape, form, or fashion prayers. That's a lot of people. But I wonder seriously how many people actually pray each and every day to set aside time and a place to communicate. Do you know that prayer is one of God's greatest gifts to us? One of his greatest gifts He has given us the opportunity to talk with him face to face, just like you and I talk. He has given us the opportunity not to ask things of him, but to bring him into our lives and to experience his willingness to be a part of our lives. Our scriptural focus today is Matthew 6. It's it's Jesus' teaching on Sermon on the Mount, and he's teaching this part about prayer and how important it is to our lives and why we need to do it. And the first thing he says is that we need to pray in secret. We need to pray quietly by ourselves. Now, you need to know where that's coming from. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, they used to love to show people just how pious and how religious they were. So when they prayed, they made sure they either prayed in the synagogue or they prayed out on a busy street corner where everybody could see just how pious and how righteous they were. Offerings were given at the temple in the afternoon. And before the offerings were given, a large trumpet would sound, calling everybody's attention toward the temple, and everybody should enter into a time of prayer. And the Pharisees always made sure they positioned themselves on a busy street corner. So then when that trumpet sounded and everybody heard and turned toward prayer, they could see all of these religious leaders turning and praying in such pious fashion. Jesus is saying, do not be a hypocrite like those Pharisees. When you pray, go to a quiet place, a secret place, a silent place where it's just you and God, where you are one on one with the Creator. Don't be like the Pharisees. Don't try to show just how righteous you are. And although prayer should be a part of all of our corporate worship services and all of our committee meetings and all of our team meetings, where the rubber really meets the road is when you are quiet and secret away with God, where there is no clapping, where there is no applause, where there is no religious performance. That's why God wants you to pray in a secret place. He wants to hear from you, and he wants it to be just you and him. You and him. So the first thing Jesus says is pray secretly. Pray quietly. Pray in a place far away from the maddening crowd. Then he says pray earnestly. Pray earnestly. But when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, 
for they think they will be heard because of their many, many words. That's simply not true. It has nothing to do with the number of words we say. You know, if you did a a survey of a lot of churches, I'm not going to just say Methodist churches, but a lot of churches, most prayers go like this. Father, thank you for your blessings. Please continue to bless us. And if you'll continue to bless us, we'll continue to thank you for your blessings. Amen. Father, thank you for your blessings. We thank you. And if you continue to bless us, we'll continue to thank you for your blessings. Amen. You can't keep doing that. That doesn't mean much of anything, does it? That's certainly not spoken from the heart. That's certainly not spoken in earnest. God really doesn't care about the rhetoric in your prayers. God is not looking for any hidden logic in your prayers. And God is not worried about some methodical approach that you use in your prayers. You know what God wants? He wants to hear from each and every one of us. Each and every one of us. On a continuing basis. He wants us not to pray from the head. He wants us to pray from the heart. Not from the head, from the heart. It's not about the words you use or the method you use. It's about what your heart has to say to God. This morning, we say, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. And that's what we do in prayer. Whatever service, wherever you are, you're asking to open the eyes of my heart, read my heart, see what's down in there. Let me talk to you, Lord. God wants to hear from us each and every day. And he wants to hear it all, folks. Let me tell you that. He wants to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly. I had a very good friend, clergy friend, who passed away when he was 32 years of age. Had two children, lovely wife. Passed away from some strange bacterial virus that took his life in a matter of days. And I want to tell you, I had a prayer and a discussion with God with steam coming out of my head and tears running down my eyes. I was so angry. I was so upset. It wasn't about praising God. I wanted God to hear every word I had to say, and most of them weren't very nice. What I'd like to tell you is that God is big enough, and God loves you enough to hear everything you've got to say, and that means the good and the bad and most certainly the ugly. You don't think he already knows what's in your heart? And yet he wants to hear it from your lips. He wants you to tell him what's really on your heart. God wants to hear your heart. And he's big enough and loving enough to bear anything you throw at him. So Jesus is saying, I want you to pray secretly, and I want you to pray earnestly. And the next thing he says is, I want you to pray consistently. He offers a perfect model of the prayer, the Lord's Prayer. It's a model by which we go, we don't have to say the Lord's Prayer every day, but we can use it as a wonderful example of what we're supposed to be doing when we pray consistently to God. First, we start off with praise. We're praising God. We're praising the Father, our Father who art in heaven. Have you ever noticed that it says, our Father? You know what it's expecting you? It's, it's expecting you to know he's your father, our father. He's not the father or some father. He's our father. Just like a son or a daughter would talk to their father, that's exactly what we're doing with God. 
He's our Father. You can know about God, but until you know God, you can't really pray the way you need to pray. You've got to know the Father before you can say, Our Father who art in heaven. Jesus is teaching us here that the prayer is a simple act of like a child talking to a parent. And the first and primary focus is on the Father, magnifying God, giving Him the praise, exalting His name. We are to praise and glorify God first and foremost. A prayer is not to see what you get. It's to make sure that God gives you what you need. It makes sure that you have the ears to hear what God wants for you, not what you want for God. Prayer isn't to tell God what's on your mind. Prayer is to find out what is on his mind for you. That's why when I rant or I rave, when I shake my fist, I may be letting off steam, but it's not about what me, me, me telling God something. It's what God is going to use and going to tell me afterwards. Okay, Scott, I'll let you rant and rave for a while. And then I want you to be quiet long enough to you for you to listen to me. What's the psalmist say? Be still and know that I'm God. Sometimes when we pray, we feel like we got to fill up 95% of the prayer with our words. Most of us would probably be good if we just stopped at about 33% and were quiet for the next two-thirds of the time. And we listened for God's voice in our lives, listened earnestly for what God wants to tell us in our lives. Then we are supposed to give our needs, our concerns to God. You know, it says, give us this day our daily bread, bread. And I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, we said the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. That's it? We're only going to get bread? Man, this is going to be rough. I don't even have anything to make a sandwich with. I just got bread. Bread was a sustenance in Jesus' time. You couldn't get by. You couldn't live without bread. But when he says, give us this day our daily bread, he's talking about all your needs, the air you breathe, the clothes you wear, the homes in which you live, the relationships that you share. He's talking about everything. I need to know all your needs. Remember I said needs, not wants. You know, we have a tendency to tell God what we want instead of what we need. I think I shared with you well, it's been, what, three weeks ago? How when I stood there after Emmaus and I was looking over the Chesapeake Bay that at night and I rededicated my life to Jesus Christ, you know, I rededicated my life and then I started going down a list. And God, these are the following things that I think I can do for you. One, two, three, four. <laughs> I'm sure God was laughing. I'm sure God was laughing. What did I say? Man plans, God laughs. It's not about what we want, it's what our needs are, and God will provide our needs. He's not going to provide our wants. We want all so much more. Just ask your children and your grandchildren at Christmas. You really think they need all that stuff they ask for Christmas? There's no way. My grandchildren can't even play with a third of the toys that they have. They don't even know where the other two-thirds are. We don't need all that stuff. We don't need all that stuff. We want it. But we don't need it. God will provide for our needs. God supplies all of our needs if we just let him. The third thing in this business about praying earnestly is forgiveness. 
Folks, we always need to be seeking forgiveness. I don't know about you, but I'm broken. I fall down all the time. I sin, and i got to pick myself back up. And you think I'm able to pick myself up back myself? No. God has to pick me back up. We need to constantly be in confession of our sins and asking for God's forgiveness and his strength to continue on. Whether it's temptations that we seek, relationships that we are struggling with, problems in our lives or in our marriages, we need to ask for forgiveness. Most of you are going, no problem. I can do that. Incidentally, I I know where that step is right there, just in case you want to know. You know what the second part is? We have to forgive others who have trespassed against us. Boy, does that get to be difficult. I can't even begin to tell you how many people I struggle with forgiving because of the hurt and the ugliness that have been magnified on my life or on my family's life. And yet I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that every day I ask not only forgiveness, but I ask for the forgiveness of others who have trespassed against me. Because the real point, the point that really raises the hairs on the back of your neck is that if we can't forgive others, we are already told that God will not forgive us. And I don't know about you, but that scares me to death. We ask for forgiveness and then we have to forgive others. And that's the hard part. This last part about praying earnestly. After we have praised God, after we have told Him what our needs and our concerns are, and after we seek forgiveness, our forgiveness and the forgiveness of others, God is saying we need to seek guidance. We need to seek his strength and his guidance in everything. And we certainly can't do that by ourselves. We are far too weak and far too self-absorbed. We have our own tendencies, and we don't have the necessary strength to constantly overcome the evil of this world or the evil of our lives. And yet God provides the Holy Spirit, God provides the direction, and God most certainly will provide the strength if you will but ask. It's about being in relationship with God. Seeking him out, not simply as your father, but also as your friend. And prayer is the essential practice that brings us closer to God and allows us to be formed in his love. Relationship. Prayer is intimacy with God. Prayer is developing a relationship with God. And we do that when we seek his guidance and his strength, and his direction in our lives. Let's be honest with one another. A lot of times we don't feel like we want a relationship with God. Not that we don't want a relationship. We're just too busy with other things. I don't have time for you today, God. I don't really have time for a relationship. Listen, I just want you to answer yes or no. Or just give me this and I'll be fine. I'll get back to you next week when I have a problem. We use God like airbags, you know? Airbags. They don't deploy unless you're 60 miles an hour into a brick wall. We don't call on God unless there's an emergency or there's a problem. That's what God is about. 
God wants a relationship with us, a relationship like we have, like you have with each other. Not only the horizontal relationship that we share here, but the vertical relationship. God wants to be with us each and every day. He wants us to talk to him. He wants us to tell us what's on his mind. And that's where we develop the intimacy. If you don't spend time talking with God, how are you ever going to have a relationship with God? How are you ever really going to know what God's will is? What you need to be about? Where you need to go? What you need to do? You think it's osmosis? You think you put it on the bed and just rest on it at night? No. It takes some work. It takes prayer. It takes prayer. Sometimes God just says, I want you to hang out with me a while. Just abide in me. Abide in my love from day to day, and you're going to find out exactly what you're looking for. And so often we say, we don't have time, God, but we can't afford not to have that time. We have to make a concerted effort. We have to develop intimacy through prayer, an intimacy of relationship with our Father. That's what God truly wants. He wants to know each of you one-on-one. Have you given God that opportunity lately? Have you talked with him lately? Did you talk to him this morning? Going to talk to him this afternoon? Going to talk to him this evening? Leslie Whitehead, wonderful British theologian and preacher, tells a story that I'll leave you with today of a gentleman that he knew, a Scottish gentleman who was dying, and he went to visit him. And the gentleman was in his bed, but next to his bed was a chair. Some of you may have heard this story before. And the gentleman lying in bed said, Leslie, I need to tell you about this chair. Leslie said, sure, go ahead. He said, years ago, I had a real problem praying. I didn't feel like my prayers were answered. I I was praying out into the ether. Nobody was hearing me. And my pastor came by one day, and I voiced those concerns to him. And he said, you know what you need to do? Just take a chair. Set the chair down. And then you sit right across from it. And you have a conversation with Jesus Christ in that chair. The man said, it changed my life. It changed my life. I could see Jesus. I could hear Jesus. I developed a relationship with Jesus, and I've been praying that way every day of my life. And even now, because I'm sick and bedridden, I don't leave that chair. That chair is right here by my side. And I talk with Jesus every day of my life. A couple weeks after the conversation, the gentleman's daughter called Leslie and said that her father had passed away peacefully. He said, it's the strangest thing, though. His head, his hand was out from under the covers, resting on the empty chair next to his bed. Leslie said, oh, that's not strange at all. He was just praying with a good friend of his. My brothers and my sisters, I hope you will always be a praying church 
I hope you will pray for yourselves. I hope you will pray for others. I hope you will seek forgiveness. I hope that you will seek strength. I hope that you will seek guidance in your life, praying every day in an earnest fashion, in a consistent fashion, developing an intimate relationship with God, your Father. God wants to know you. He wants to know each and every one of you. Let us not simply believe in the power of prayer. Let's make sure we exercise that power every day of our lives. The door of prayer, my brothers and sisters, swings both ways. You just make sure that the door is always open and that you're never afraid to go through it. Would you bow your heads with me, please?